Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Is Christmas really in 13 days? Did I really yeah. just do that math right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Dude, we, we passed the two-week mark yesterday. That's dumb. I'm not. That's just dumb. <laughs> not ready, are you? <laughs> no. No. But with Christmas being on... So that means it's on a Monday. With Christmas being on a Monday this year, this year it's really a thing where people are not working the week between Christmas and New Year's. A lot of people are just taking that week off anyway or are taking a day or two off that week and then working a day or two. Mm -hmm. The new cycle traditionally, as I knock on wood, usually is painfully slow. We'll play trivia that week. We'll we'll pull all the games out and stuff that week. And I, I told John off the air this morning, I was talking to a couple of friends last night and they work for they work for very, very different companies that both have decided that they're not working that week between Christmas and New Year's, just company wide. They're just not working. And it was the first time those two companies had done that, uh, that they knew of. And I just wondered, is that becoming a bigger trend now for companies not for you to decide to take that week off, but for companies to close or to tell you not that week. And I wonder in particular this year because Christmas is on a Monday. Yeah. Well, it, it, and I, I think that's probably part of the mix is that because the days work out so well, everybody's going to be off Monday the 25th. Everybody's going to be off Monday the 1st. So you might as well. I mean, in those four days, what's getting done anywhere? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because no one's in. Yeah. Because <laughs> no it, one's right. in the office. And so even the people that didn't plan to take that week off, uh, yeah, they're, I mean, the productivity is going to be down anyway. So you might as well. What I was concerned about is the, the way that you laid this out on our thread this morning. And I don't know who it is you're talking about or, or what their jobs are, but it doesn't really matter. Um, that one of them was forced to take PTO. And let me point out, the person has plenty of it, the, and see, so it's not a big deal. But that's my question, is what if you didn't? Yeah, that 913-586-7798. Um, there have been stations in our building that used to, I don't know if they still do, it's been a while since I asked, but that just didn't have a show that they just didn't, it was a music station that just didn't do a show that week. Just play Christmas have, music or whatever, yeah. Yep, I have no idea if those people had to take vacation time or not. Or if it was just, hey, we're off the air. Um, I've had friends that have worked for other companies where, and like manufacturing will do this sometimes, where they the company just closes, the, the plant closes for a couple, there's just a shutdown every year and that's when it happens. But I, I am curious to know if you work for one of those companies that says we're taking that week off, does that count against your PTO? Because I was looking last night, we were talking about it. Like, if that's a week that you wanted to travel, because, hey, I've got that week off anyway, <laughs> that is a ridiculously sky-high time for flights. Terrible week to travel, yes. Because everybody's traveling. It's an insane week for airfare. So it's not a good time to just kind of go on a trip. So I'm curious to know if you, and yeah, if would you want that week off if it was offered to you? If somebody came to you and said, hey, take that week off, would you do it, especially if it counted against your time? Now, 
what we're hearing from on the text line right now are people who have jobs where you could not possibly take time off between Christmas and New Year's. And yes, yeah, we, we have we, them too. <laughs> we, yeah, right. we totally understand that, that there are some jobs where you can't. The medical profession, you can't. Somebody else mentioned, yeah, obviously you've never worked at UPS. No, you're right, we haven't. But uh, yeah, I would imagine that the United States Postal Service, FedEx, UPS, uh, everybody else that's in that business, that's going to be a huge time for them. And you're not going to be able to take that week between Christmas and New Year's because, well, in addition to Boxing Day, that's also returns week. So, right. yeah, you're going to be very much needed. But for people, uh, yeah, again, somebody just said, ha, 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 I wish. Sincerely, your FedEx driver. Understood. But for, like, office jobs and, uh, you know, people who don't work either in the medical field where you're, I mean, there is no time off or in the package delivery business where that's about the busiest time that you're going to find all year. I would imagine you're not going to find a lot of pilots taking the week between Christmas right. and New Year's off. Like we just said, yeah. it's a huge time. But if you are a if, if your job has nothing to do with the holidays, are you finding that more often than not you're being offered, especially this year, you're being offered that week, just take the time off because nothing's going to happen here anyway. Um, somebody texted in a little while ago and said that their workplace has had the week between Christmas and New Year's off every year for the last 10. Okay, that's interesting because I looked this up. We knew we were going to talk about it, and then I just Googled to see if there were stats out there about how many companies take that week off. And it is becoming a bigger trend. And it's seen as like, you know, a company wellness work-life balance thing. In fact, it's work-life news that had it that said uh, companies started closing for the week because it's a phone it in week anyway. Yep. And that trend continued as the pandemic helped employers reframe work-life balance. It was once seen as a perk. Now it's expected as just a week to recharge. I think it's a great idea. I re and, and not just because, boy, I really want more time off. It's, it's not because of that. I mean, it's for all the reasons that we just said that for, uh, you know, the, the holidays, the year end, that's the, that's the other thing that, uh, that I wonder about is if you are in the accountancy business, I mean, is, is there stuff that gets done in that final week of the year? And mm -hmm. granted, it's not the final week of the fiscal year. It's, you know, the, and it's not coming up on tax time. That's not until April. But are there things that if you're a bookkeeper, if you push a pencil for a living, that you can't take that week off because there's just way too much going on? I appreciate that a lot of you can't. And I appreciate that you're all telling us that you can't. <laughs> yeah. But for those of you that could, for those of you that are not in those essential services or jobs related to tourism where people are, are going to travel a bunch, do you are you offered that week off or does your company close? And if you're given the option, like I would if somebody if, if our boss came to us and said, well, you you know, we're not going to close that week or or you are, but you're going to have to count it as time. I'll just work it. Yeah. Like I don't I don't my family is close enough that I don't need to take that week to travel back and forth. But I do appreciate that there are people who who don't live where their family is, who travel to see family. That's the only time they can go is for Christmas. And giving them that extra few days to see family is important without them having to stress about it. Yeah. And it used to be, uh, not to go too far into this because they get nervous when you do that, but it used to be back in the days where our ratings were uh, controlled by a company called Arbitron that doesn't exist anymore, that they stopped keeping track 
on yeah. like the second week of December, the, the, all from the second week of December all the way through the end of the year, and I think even into the first week of January, was what's called an unrated period, where they just they knew things were going to be so screwy. And it's not just because of us. It's because of your lives, too. You're doing different things. You, you know, you're in the car probably more than you would be in a regular period like that. So it's going to skew everything. They didn't want to do that, so they just left it. And, yeah, there was really no reason. In fact, we were always encouraged, if you're going to take time off, that's when you should do it because nobody's yeah. paying attention to the ratings anyway. Right. It's actually not. Um, yeah, there's uh, in taking kind of a big trip, I, you kind of keep that in mind. You kind of know, like, what the important times are in terms of ratings and stuff like that. Yeah. And you kind of know that this time of year people's schedules are off, and so you're going to get less resistance. Um, if you're going to try to be gone, plus I like to travel over Thanksgiving. Um, but some of you are texting in about, again, I'm curious about the people that, that do take off or that can take off. And if you, if you would, and again, if your office charges you for the time, cause that's the part of it. I don't like, I don't like it. If your office is just going to close, but then they tell you it was our idea to close but we're going to charge you for the time. Yeah, that's not cool. I, I don't that's, like that. That's why I lay, I mean, the the whole idea of using, of, of having any kind of forced PTO, I get really, really upset about that kind of thing. It's, it's like, no, you offered me paid time off so that I could use it at will, you know, that I could use it when I want to. If you're telling me that I have to use my PTO, then it's not really PTO. Granted, I do get paid. But it's just, yeah, that's not a cool thing to do. Uh, that's that because it's screwing up your plans for the rest of the year. Somebody just said, I've had that week off my entire career. Wow. Good for Did you. Did you take it off or were you, because to me, it's, there's one thing if you decide to take that week off, my bigger curiosity is if your company tells you or decides to close it, but this person said I'm in law enforcement. Yeah, I, 26 years and I have this one too. I assume you are just taking that week off. Yeah, I don't, I don't think law enforcement ever shuts the doors. No. <laughs> They're like, okay, nobody's going to kill anybody this week. Let's just close <laughs> Cause, up. Because nothing ever happens on New Year's <laughs> Eve night. Yeah, right. <laughs> we oh, need you out there. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there was another one that, uh, yeah, okay, this is the answer to my bookkeeping question. Yes, uh, the texter says work payroll and bookkeeping, and that week we don't take off. Payrolls to process end of the year bookkeeping, taxes starting at the end of January so no that's not a week that they can take and I, I wonder how common that is too if if a business does shut its doors for that week between Christmas and New Year's is the accounting department the only little light bulb that's still on 913-58677 a lot of different um texts are coming in stories are all over the place is it something that we're seeing more is it something that your company started in the last few years, but didn't do before. 913-586-7798. We'll get to more of these comments next on KMBZ. 913-586-7798. Okay. What on earth is happening in Jackson County, Mississippi, where we have yet again the third time now? In fact, I don't even know if we talked about the second one, but we the didn't. first one we talked a lot about. Yeah. We now have had for a third time the discovery of a man who was buried in a pauper cemetery without the knowledge of relatives, despite law enforcement knowing that they had done it and who it was. Yeah, I, and I want to go back for a minute and do a quick recap on the first one that we heard about, which was a young man whose uh, mother was, the, the, she, she had filed a lawsuit against the department 
uh, that had nothing to do with the son who ended up dead. It, it was, I believe, her husband uh, who was either injured or killed by the police there. So uh, it, the the son ended up going missing. She didn't know where he was. Um, and there was a uh, there was an altercation with police that ended with him dead. They said they couldn't find any ID on him, even though the coroner's report said his wallet was in his pocket with the ID inside. They knew who he was and buried him in that pauper cemetery anyway, and it took months for the mother to find out where he was and what had happened to him. She didn't know he was dead. I, I This one baffles me. I, I don't... Especially after it happening once. I mean, that was unreal to think that that mother, you know, had tried and tried and tried to find out where her son was and they knew all along. And then she eventually finds out. And if I'm not mistaken, they um, unearthed him. They exhumed him. Yes, they did. They, they did a proper everything and they reburied him in the proper place. We've had two more of these now. Same, exact same place. Yep. And- what? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I I I wish I could tell you because it looks awful for for the police department. I mean, Jackson, Mississippi doesn't have the world's greatest history anyway. For anything. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so for, for now, this Jonathan David Hankins, age 39, third person to have been what uh, AP News is calling quietly buried in the Pauper Cemetery near the Hines County Penal Farm in suburban Jackson. This is according to attorney Ben Crump, whose name I'm sure you know. He's been involved in cases here in town just recently. Uh, And he said the family has been desperately seeking answers. It's almost the same story. For more than a year, they've been trying to find out what happened to him and just recently found out that he had not only died, but had been buried in this Pauper Cemetery. He said now to find out from the news reports that his body was found in the same county where Dexter Wade's body was buried after being struck by a police cruiser raises disturbing questions. Yeah, to say the least, it does. Okay, so for sure, one of the things that seems to be happening is that authorities, whoever's job it is to contact the family that someone has died, aren't trying very hard in the follow-up to communicate that to family members because that's what happened in the original case that we talked about. And then the third of these three, 40-year-old Mario Moore, they said, they found out was buried in that same cemetery without his family's knowledge. He had been beaten to death and found wrapped in a tarp on February 2nd. His, uh, his body was kept in the morgue until he was buried in the pauper's grave in July. So they kept him there for quite a while until February. Uh, NBCnews.com found out that the coroner's report showed that office tried to call Mario's brother, but the phone number didn't work. They said police told the family a detective's card was left at his mother's house. None of the family members recall being contacted. Given the number of ways that we have to find people now. Yeah. Social media, I mean, it, we're talking about police whose job it is to investigate. I mean, there there wasn't some way to find the relative. It makes you wonder, because in the first case, the, the kid, the guy had been hit by, by police. It makes you wonder, like, was there something else going on and a reason they weren't trying that hard? Well, sure. And, and with the 40-year-old that you just mentioned, um, beaten to death by whom? Valid question. Yeah. So now in the second case, the one that, that got us into talking about this this morning, this guy was found dead in a hotel room. And uh, they said 
he was found to have methamphetamine and fentanyl in his system, even though the death certificate didn't include that in the finding. So, I mean, is you you have to wonder when you hear about this happening over and over again, are we talking about an issue of pure incompetence or is there something a lot more nefarious going on? Are these cover-ups? And that was, I mean, the case in the Wade case, Ben Crump, the reason he got involved in this is because he's convinced that this was absolutely a cover-up. The police didn't want to admit that they had hit this kid and killed him. So they just buried him out in a pauper cemetery. And, and while the mother was calling them almost on a weekly basis to say, what have you found out? Are there any developments? No, no, no. We don't know anything. And then it turns out, yeah, they did. I understand the need for a policy that says, and I assume this is common, I assume that morgues, county coroner's offices, have a policy that says after X number of days or months or whatever it is in the morgue without that person being claimed or or formally identified or whatever it is, that yes, you can't leave somebody in a morgue forever. At some point, you've got to bury them somewhere. I don't know what the policy in Hines County says. I don't know what the policy is about the different ways and the number of times you try to contact family before you give up i don't i mean can you not this is where media is good at this kind of thing can you not put an image of the person whose family you're looking for if at the very least put it on the facebook page for the heinz county sheriff's office or whatever and say sure. hey does anybody know this guy I mean, we're, we're trying to identify him. The fact that they didn't try very, very hard makes it look awful. It does, especially in the in the first case where you had identification that was found by the coroner's office. They yeah. knew who he was. They just didn't want the news out. And in the other two cases, I mean, even if you take in the case of the beating death of Mario Moore and you say, OK, maybe he was a guy who just ran afoul of the wrong people. Maybe he was, you know, involved in drug trafficking or whatever and, and you know, screwed somebody and ended up paying for it with his life because they found him not only beaten to death, but wrapped in a tarp, like you said, on, on February 2nd, that, uh, OK, uh, even if it wasn't part of a police cover up in that case, wouldn't you want to know who did that? Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't you put a whole bunch of energy into finding out, okay, somebody beat someone to death and wrapped them in a tarp. Let's go find out who that was. Okay. So if I'm the state of Mississippi, if I'm the department of whatever it is, public safety or whatever for the state of, of Mississippi, this is where the governor there, Tate Reeves or whoever it needs to be, needs to say, okay, we need the inspector general or whoever it is to take a look at this department. It might be as simple as policy it like you said it might be as simple as incompetence but how many of these are you going to have before somebody says hey you know what we might there there might be something wrong with yeah. with our plan here and and even incompetence doesn't make it excusable i mean it's it's not murder in that case you know it's it's not covering up some kind of crime but to say well yeah i mean we keep doing this because we're just really bad at our jobs maybe then you need to go find something else to do and we need to find people who are competent to do the job of notifying relatives when somebody's found dead it just seems like such a simple thing yeah how it also makes you wonder how many others are there like that's the first question i'd be asking if i'm whoever the yeah, who, state or whoever who else how is- many others have you buried without contacting relatives at some point or without trying hard enough yeah and how many of them i mean if you find somebody dead in a car it doesn't necessarily mean that it's their car but it's a pretty good bet
So yeah. are they ignoring things like license plate numbers? And, I mean, we know they ignored at least one ID. So yeah, what else is out there? Who's buried in that place where their families are going, we have no idea. It's been five years now. We don't know what happened to Uncle Phil. Well, you know. And if you're bad at the police work, because that's basic police work, then you contract with an agency that says, okay, we're, we're bad at the contacting of people part. Yeah. Hello, outside whatever agency you are. We now hand this stuff to you and you do it since we stink at it. Yeah, it's uh, not a lot of love lost between me and that state. But, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of people now who are finding out that uh, things that we thought would have been cleaned up 50 years ago haven't been. If you have thoughts, 913-586-7798. Still to come this hour, we have another case of this happening. We have nearly a dozen women now who say they have been targeted by a sex offender in the Northland without realizing it. We've got this happening in retail stores. Get to that coming up here in KMBZ. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we go to the Northland here now for this next story. Um, This one gets a little more concerning, a little more obscene than some of the other times where we've talked about guy inappropriate behavior retail store yeah uh and this one is a little bit tricky i i have to give some deference to channel five who reported on this because they didn't say exactly what he did but i think we can infer mm-hmm. pretty well what was going on here because they said he was initially found according to court documents uh, in a store exposing himself behind a store clerk that what he had done allegedly a woman there told police that he asked for help ordering books and while she looked them up he stood behind her and it was surveillance video of what he was doing while he was standing behind her that prompted the felony charge against him so um, they also noticed that in that surveillance video he was videoing the incident himself so presumably a phone in one hand and then we don't want to talk about what was in the other hand Uh, But he's recording all of this. So they said, well, if he recorded this one, why don't we take a look at his phone and see if he's done this before? And they found nine more. Yeah, uh, he is 35. His name is uh, James D. Jones II. Again, the charge is telling that he's been charged with felony sexual abuse in Platt and Clay counties. That gives you some insight into what he was doing in case you, we, we hadn't, again, we don't know exactly, but yeah. put put the pieces together there a little bit. Um, and so police are asking for, to see if there are other victims out there. And the problem is that the alleged victims don't realize exactly at the time, at least at the beginning, at the start, that this is happening. They're fully clothed, they're unsuspecting, they don't know what's, and they don't realize 
what he is doing directly behind them. Yeah, and it's all over the place. One was at a Dollar Tree. One was at a Barnes and Noble. I mean, just in different stores. He now I know this will come as a shock. He's already a registered sex offender. Uh, he was yeah. con- he was convicted of sexual battery in Johnson County in 2017. So he has a history with this. And and again, I am not excusing what he's accused of doing here if in fact he did it. But maybe that's his kink is I can do this while you're not looking and you won't even know what I'm up to. And yet I can I can you know do this behind your back and you know maybe that's what he gets off on but no absolutely not it is I am going to be curious about this though as this heads into the court where um it, what they're going to do about the state of victimhood here because does it change matters and I'm asking this because I don't know the answer to this does it change matters that they didn't know what was happening um, go on. Usually uh, like, for, for an assault charge to happen. Now, sexual assault's a little bit different, but for an assault charge to happen, you need a couple of different elements. And one of those elements is fear. You have to put somebody in fear. So if something could be a sexual assault if, if you flash somebody uh, or, you know, do something lewd and lascivious in front of them. It puts them in fear of what's this guy going to do to me? He's already you know standing naked in front of right. me doing whatever. Th- th- that element has to be there. And if they didn't know what was happening. Now, you could still bust him on, uh, you know, uh, lewd and lascivious behavior right. and indecent exposure and uh, any number of things. But is it going to change the battery or assault charges that could pend because of something like this? If they didn't know what was happening at the time that it was happening. Here is the, this might be a horrible analogy. And, and if so, forgive me and I'll walk it back. The place my head immediately went when you mentioned this to me earlier was um, we can have a, now this wasn't rape. That's not, that's not the charge here, but we have rape victims who are unconscious when it happens. That's true. Yep. And don't know it and wake up and don't know it necessarily. And they just think, gosh, I kind of don't feel well, you know, so you, you have to be conscious to give consent. Yes. That's not the same thing as though, as this though, you know what I mean? It's you're standing there and you're, you're awake and you're, but you don't know. And it's a subtle difference, but in those cases, and you're right, it's actually a really good analogy, but in those cases, you have another one of the elements that isn't present here, which is physically touching somebody. Right. Right. And if he didn't, um, and didn't touch them with anything. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to be as euphemistic as we possibly can yeah. here, uh, because we don't know exactly what he was doing. But it, you know, if if it's a matter of if they saw him, they would have been in fear. But they didn't see him, and he didn't actually touch them. Like I said, that doesn't make what he did okay in any way. But is that necess- is that potentially going to muck up a possible prosecution for sexual assault or sexual battery? I need to ask a question delicately um, uh, because I don't know the exact definition of sexual abuse and I'm just going off what they, nor do I, what they have told us here Yeah, because it's aggravating me. You're, you're right. And it's aggravating for me, particularly as a woman to stand here and think that a man could come up behind me and do what we presume this is. And just because I don't know that it's happening means it's not a crime for that. Yes. You know what I mean? That That should not be okay. Agreed. Agreed. Right. But but if that means that we need to tweak the law 
then let's right. then let's do that. Right. Uh, here, here's another analogy for you. Do you remember what it was that that eventually led to Al Franken's resignation from the Senate? I do not. It was a picture that that was on a USO tour from way before he was uh, officially a politician, back when he was just stand-up comedian Al Franken, of him on a USO tour, and there was a female performer on the tour as well, and there was a shot that was taken on a plane where she was asleep, and he, in a joking way, again, not to excuse it, but pretended that he was grabbing her breasts, put his hands out like, and had his buddy take a picture of him. He didn't actually touch her. Oh. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and that's why, in that case, he was not in any criminal trouble over over any of it because he didn't touch her and she was asleep. So, it, I mean, it, he had to resign from, from the Senate over it, and what he did was was pretty awful. Slimy. Yeah, exactly. It is slimy. That's gross. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, and not only that, it's also incredibly juvenile. I mean, that, that's yeah. something that a 13-year-old boy would do and go, hey, look, look, isn't this funny? No, no, it isn't. So, yeah, I put it in terms of something like that where, uh, I mean, as much as, like I said, with this guy's history of being a convicted mm-hmm. sex offender, I don't want to in any way give the impression that I'm trying to diminish what he did. I'm not, but I'm just wondering if by law it's going to cause them trouble when they try to prosecute him again, depending on what they end up charging him with. You're right. We need to change the law Yeah. because I, um, man, the Al Franken thing, it's, it, it makes the hair on my arm stand up a little bit. When a woman is asleep, like in that case, she's asleep and a guy is pretending to touch her mm-hmm. not really doing it but just acting like he is and somehow that's like i get that it's not actual but that woman's asleep and can't protect herself if he were to go a step further that's what's going through my mind is you're you're one step away from something that's a lot more awful yes and and in that case i mean she didn't know about it until much later but you think about it, once that does become clear Again, it's hard for me to put myself into the shoes of a woman, but just as a human being, if you're thinking, okay, anytime I fall asleep, they're going to mess with me. Right. Come on. Right. It's It still feels violating. Yep. It, it That's the word I'm coming back to is, and, and in this case also with this guy in the Northland, is that if I were to find out after that I'm one of the women that he has on his phone, that this was happening as he stood behind me, and I didn't know it, that is the same. I mean, it's not the same thing as being fully everything. Sure. But it's the same feeling of violation, especially because, back to your point, this was his thing, was getting away with it, knowing that he was doing it, and they didn't know, and now he's got the video, and he sort of feels like, ha-ha, I got one over on you. Yeah. I did this bad thing, and you didn't know it. And, and that goes back to sexual assault and battery and rape and all of that being not about sex. It's about power. Power, B- right. Because it's, I have the power. I can do this, and you won't even know, and that means I'll get away with it. I mean, right. that's, uh, for for some really twisted souls, is probably a nice little power trip for them to go off on. And ha-ha, look what I did, and you can't do anything about it. Okay, I'm going to come back to the question I'm going to try to ask. Um, I'm, I think I'm having a hard time imagining exactly how this happens. 
because I don't want to say, um, we're making assumptions about what the act was, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just, where's, where's, where's the phone? Oh, his, on the outside when he's recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably in his other hand uh, that, that he's just getting a shot of himself or part of himself and their butt in front of him that he's just inches away from and gets away with it because they didn't know. What a weird. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this, believe me. again, I'm with this. Uh, so this guy had been convicted in 2017 of sexual battery. And like you said, he's already a registered sex offender. This feels like if you don't catch him now, he's going to do the next thing. Uh huh. Whatever the step is after this, like you get away with this, but this is not where you stop. And that's why, I mean, there are so many people and I'm among them uh, who feel like, okay, the sex offender registry, that's nice and all, but all that really helps you do is convict him of i mean the next time that he does something wrong it helps you get a conviction uh and and it helps you maybe depending on the laws in the state uh punish him more severely for the second time because you were already a registered sex offender when you did this Mm -hmm. but in terms of stopping somebody or changing their behavior it really doesn't do you much good at all and whenever you let this guy out i mean uh, a lot of us are the of the opinion that sex crimes are one of the things that there is absolutely nothing you can do to interdict. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, so the picture of this guy is out. Um, and so so in terms of them looking for more victims, now it's a matter of because he's standing behind you. Yeah. So how they're going to identify more victims without just taking that video and trying to find, you know, because you, you're not usually looking at who's behind you. Yep. Are, are you going to remember... That this was the guy, unless he asked you for help, I mean, which is what happened in a couple of these cases. Yeah. Then you're going to know. And, uh, yeah, how how hard is a job is that going to be for the investigators in this case where they're going to have to hope that there's enough in the background of the videos that he took? Now, they, I mean, they, they also know where he likes to prowl, so that's probably going to help with that a little bit. But how much is in the background of those videos that they're going to be able to maybe identify the store where it happened? And if they can do that, then you go to the employees and say, do you know this guy? You know, does this look like you in this video? Uh, You know, is there any way that we can find out who those people are? And I hope they do. I hope they do, because this guy needs to go away for a long time. If you want to get in on this one, 913-586-7798. Still to come, we have a Delta Airlines flight that had some mechanical trouble and picked about the worst place to have to land and stay for a day. Get to that still to come here on KMBZ. Back here on a Tuesday morning here on KMBZ. So the city of Detroit is a, I don't know why, but it must be a big Delta hub, particularly when it comes to flights from Amsterdam. When I went, that's where we stopped. It's just a big, it's a popular spot for those flights to land. So there was a Delta flight that was on its way from Amsterdam to Detroit and had problems related to de-icing. Ice was building up on the plane and they couldn't get it off while they were midair. So they needed to land somewhere and take care of that problem. The best place for them to do that is the big town of, uh, it's in the area of Happy Goose Bay, Happy Valley Goose Bay, (laughs) Newfoundland, Canada. I do not have a good point of reference to even tell you exactly where this is so that you would have any idea whatsoever. It is out in the middle of absolute nowhere in Newfoundland. 
it's not even like there are bigger it's it's relatively close to the coast of newfoundland as you're over on the atlantic okay but it's not even like there are other cities that look to be bigger than this one but goose bay airport was the only city anywhere nearby that although being small had a runway long enough for this plane to land. It's a Delta plane. It's a big plane that's headed to Detroit. So they land in Goose Bay Airport. Population about 8,000 is that town that's nearby. They have a series of problems with, that we can get into here with the people that were on this plane that they ended up having to spend the night in this town. Oh, no. There aren't enough hotel rooms that are nowhere close. I mean, I'm looking at the hotels that they have. There yeah. are little B&Bs, and that's about it. So the passengers on this flight had to spend the night in military barracks because that was the only place with enough beds to hold everybody. Yeah, passengers were stuck on board the plane for hours, they said, as temperatures plummeted. Yeah, because remember, if it's not running, uh, you got a problem heating the plane. And uh, one woman said that she and other passengers had not had a real meal in more than 15 hours. Why is it always the maritime provinces? Why is it always like, because I'm thinking about the little town on September 11th where all the planes landed in Canada. Yep. <laughs> it's like, uh -huh. it's always, it's always far Eastern Canada, you know, out in the Atlantic where, uh, where all of this stuff happens. And it's these little tiny towns, but you know, they're, I mean, I guess if you name your town, Happy Goose Bay, <laughs> you're going to take that, that sort of Canadian polite thing to the next level. Uh, many passengers were not prepared for the cold temperatures and didn't even have jackets. So first they sat on the plane for as long as they could as temperatures fell while they tried to fix the de-icing problem and they couldn't. So Delta sent a rescue flight to get the passengers out of there, but that crew timed out and couldn't fly. So passengers had to stay overnight. Oh. Um, before they found out that, that that plane couldn't go anywhere, first passengers boarded it and sat there for a while. Then they were told, oopsie, math, bad math, crew can't do this flight, they're over their hours, they can't do it. And because you're in the middle of nowhere, Canada, and I don't know, Montreal, I mean, where are you getting your nearest, yeah. your nearest crew from, Iceland? You can't get people there, for, you're, you're better off just letting them wait waited out overnight than trying to get another crew there. Yeah, yeah, and where, like you said, where are you going to get them from? You've got to fly them in from somewhere else. Oh, what a nightmare. Uh, now, the good news is, I mean, everybody's okay. But yeah, in a town of 8,000 people, I mean, that's smaller than the town in Illinois where we came here from. And I can't imagine what, what would have happened if a plane load of people all of a sudden showed up in town and needed someplace to stay for the night. Okay, so I had to laugh for a second because I'm on the website for Goose Bay Airport. Keeping in mind the problems that we continue to have uh -huh. at uh, KCI with people showing up and just sitting, leaving their cars uh, in the arrivals lane. Well, they just sit there and hang out. The very first question on this airport's website, I need to run into the terminal building for a few minutes. Where do I park? <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Don't you've heard that. And the answer is, if you are leaving your vehicle unattended, you must park in the parking lot. The first hour is free. Gee. Yeah. Uh, we could have written that. See, I would have thought uh, that the first question on the website would have been, where the hell am I right now? Yeah. <laughs> where is Goose Bay? Yeah, because you're, you're right. Newfoundland and Labrador, I'm looking at it. Uh, there is nothing anywhere near. It's, it's all teeny tiny little towns. And in fact, 
most of the teeny tiny little towns that we're talking about are probably a good 50, 60, maybe 80 miles away on the coast because this is at the very tip of a very long bay is where Happy Goose Bay is located. So, yeah, towns like Black Tickle, I swear I'm not making that up, uh, Charlottetown, Port Hope, Sampson, George's Cove, those are all right on the edge on the Atlantic coast, and that's a long ways away. Uh, Now, there's a reason why you don't know the names of any of those towns I just mentioned, because nobody does. Your closest major city is probably St. John's. Yeah. Um, And that's probably, as the crow flies, 1,000 miles, Mm -hmm. maybe 800, something like that. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, good luck to all involved. I guess, yeah, they're they're fine now, but still, if you've got to do, yeah, I mean, where would you even go after that? Uh, I guess just fly on to Detroit, but still in all, I it's it's also interesting to me that the plane was icing up in the air. Scary to think that they're icing up in the air. That um, yeah, that, and that normally doesn't happen because there's so little water in the air up at altitude that it's hard to get any ice buildup because even though it's cold, there's just no water up there. Yeah, and I also wonder why they had such a long runway for such a small airport, but thank goodness that they did. I don't know what they would have done otherwise there. Colin Goldstar, buddy, not only fly by night, but a Canadian band too. Well done, sir. (laughs) All right, we need to get to news here. Uh, Coming up in the next hour, would you move into an apartment with no kitchen? Get to that coming up on KMBZ. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.